In the ever-evolving landscape of construction, a critical element has often lingered in the shadows, overlooked and underestimated, the social impact. As taller skyscrapers get built, more ambitious infrastructure projects are greenlit. Now more than ever, the construction industry needs to broaden its requirements for what makes a successful project. Traditionally, engineering projects have been measured by the efficiency of their structures, the speed of completion and the bottom line. But what about the neighbourhoods affected, the lives disrupted and the well-being of those in the midst of development? The clatter of machinery and towering structures from afar signifies a city's progress. But up close, the noise pollution, environmental hazards and community disintegration are all consequences felt by those living there. For many engineering projects, the connection to people is obvious. Schools, hospitals and transport infrastructure will provide direct services to the local population. But infrastructure projects of all types will impact the communities around them and not always for the better. But this doesn't have to be the case. Infrastructure projects can and should represent a huge opportunity for local communities. When you look at the future trends of where industry is going, if you want, you know, thought about, you know, getting projects done on time. Uh, if you don't have a social license to operate, then your project will, won't be done on time. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Johnny Dowling. And I'm Rian Owen. For this episode, we've partnered with Atkins Realis to learn about the past and the future of social value and to see how major UK contractors are already embedding this new practice across their projects. Social value is a relatively new term, but it's not the first term for the idea that private companies should do some public good. In the 1950s, corporate social responsibility was first coined. So, for example, when I I did my master's degree, it was actually it was corporate social responsibility and energy. So that's the terminology that I was introduced to. Kieran Ronnie is the head of social value for ACOM. He's been working in this field for nearly a decade, but in that time, he's seen the terminology evolve a lot. After his master's, his role had a different title. I did my master's in corporate social responsibility and then transitioned into a uh, main contractor, so community engagement manager. And other countries have their own terminologies. For example, in America, there's a lot of talk around social and environmental justice. And we see in Canada, and then also with our Australian and, and New Zealand business, it's around kind of First Nations and Indigenous people's rights. So it's a very, can be a very broad term. While social value has evolved from earlier predecessors like corporate social responsibility, Kieran says that social value stands apart in an important way. But if we're thinking specifically to social value, the way I see the evolution of it from something like CSR is that it's a lot more strategic, it's a lot more formalised, it should be a lot more embedded into the business. So CSR is something that can be seen sometimes as a bit of an add-on to the business so the business has these core functions and services and then they also do this nice piece of work on the side that's that that would be poor social value in my view social value should be embedded into the business 
But to embed social value within an organisation, first you have to understand what the goals of social value are. And one major goal that has emerged in recent years is considering social value in procurement. What is applicable for, for us in the United Kingdom might not be the exact same in other, other parts of the world. So for example, for us, there's a big focus on things like employment skills, responsible procurement. I think the big driver which changed and shifted a lot of attitudes was the PPNO 620 that came out in 2020, which mandated central government and in-scope organisations to embed social value into their procurements. Olivia Sutcliffe is a social value associate at Savills and the founder of Young Professionals in Social Value. I think when that came out, that was a real attitude shift, both for the public sector, because a lot of the public sector realised the central government had to deliver it, and that's a mandatory requirement for them. But as a result of that, it's filtered down into the private sector, realising that as it is a PPN, it's not going away. It's, it's going to be here to stay, and they really need, need to invest in social value. The Procurement Policy Note 0620 requires projects of over certain procurement thresholds to provide social value. This can mean encouraging local employment or putting resources into local community projects. A key element to social value is looking beyond just mitigating the harms and disruption that construction can cause, to the benefits and opportunities that can be provided to the local community, and the value an organisation can contribute to society beyond business as usual. And I believe that social value is us giving back to communities where communities most need it. And I say where communities most need it is because social value shouldn't be a blanket that we just throw out the same kind of social value initiatives. It needs to be based on the community needs. It needs to be based on the location and based on what actually can make a difference and make an impact. An important factor in a project producing effective social value is the social value team being involved early and empowered to influence a project's design. Something we do at Arup and I know quite a few different organisations do is conduct a local needs assessment of a sort of area surrounding the development. So essentially what that is, it's looking at the needs of that local community. So you look at the sort of policies from the local authorities, so what are their key drivers, trends, and we also look at socioeconomic um, data, so um, things such as educational attainment, unemployment levels. And as a result of doing that, it helps us define some key sort of social value priorities for that area. So that then helps us frame what we should be doing as part of that project. So how can we influence the design to help, you know, target those key social value priorities and also what we can t do in terms of social value delivery and outreach with the local community. Laura O'Leary is a social value consultant at Arup and has been working in the field for five years. Yes, yeah, so um, I guess back when I sort of joined um, the sort of social value sphere in 2018, um, it wasn't really as widely known or prevalent as it is today. I think previously it was considered more of a box ticking exercise um, by a lot of organisations. But personally, I've noticed a, a bit of a shift in that now and a lot of organisations are doing it because they know it's the right thing to do. But this shift is not just down to the organisation wanting to do the right thing. Increasingly, companies require strong social value practices to win contracts and to deliver successful projects.
the perception certainly changed. I think if you want to be in business now, it's you have to. So with, with either carrot or stick, businesses need to be able to adopt it. When you look at the future trends of where industry is going, if you want, you know, thought about, you know, getting projects done on time. Uh, if you don't have a social license to operate, then your project will, won't be done on time. So it's actually critical to getting projects done quicker and therefore cheaper is if you have been able to get that buy-in from local community and stakeholders and, and social value is a key part of doing that. Having a strong social value practice in place is also crucial when it comes to hiring and retaining talent, particularly amongst the younger generation. When you look at some of the, you know, the, the, the new generations coming through, they're, they're more aware and more activist than ever on some of these issues. And they'll have no problem saying, well, you're not doing it right. So if you want to attract and retain talent, and you want to work with the right customers as well. You have to be able to demonstrate that you're doing this. So it's 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 now a, a very important part of, of delivering an infrastructure project. So it's a real key component of doing business, but also being able to demonstrate your value add and make yourself you know stand out from the competition. This is a trend being borne out in the data. A 2022 prospect survey found 91% of graduates said it was important that their job enables them to make a difference in people's lives. And 86% said it was vital that the company they work for has a positive environmental impact. And the same survey found that a majority of graduates look into a company's social responsibility policy before applying for a job. There was a report that came out from Forbes and it was saying that 83% of staff are going to be more loyal for a business that helps them contribute to the social and environmental issues. So actually it helps keep staff engaged, helps with attention, helps with actually the culture of an organisation rather than just the return on the investment that they're getting back as well as say winning more work or kind of delivering that positives back into the community. With more and more graduates looking for jobs that can positively impact the world, having an empowered and successful social value team can help attract the best talent. But despite its growing prevalence, social value still remains a relatively unknown practice, but one perfect for graduates looking to find a career that can make a positive impact. So um, I kind of always knew that I wanted to help make a difference and positively impact people's lives. So when I first graduated university in 2018, I kind of just stumbled into social value. So I knew I had a real interest and passion in sustainability and the built environment and knew that I wanted to make a positive difference in the world. So um, when I started to look for jobs post-graduating, I was initially looking at jobs in sustainability, but then I came across a job which didn't just focus on environmental sustainability, but it also looked at how we can positively impact um, local people and make their lives better too. So yeah, um, I think the built environment offers a real opportunity to help change people's lives for better. And um, working in social value just seemed like the perfect way, I guess, of blending my job with my wider values. So I originally, after A-levels, I went to work for BT as a network engineer. Uh, quickly realised that that step-by-step uh, -step process, doing the same thing each hour of the day, day by day, uh, it wasn't for me. I uh, realised the qualities that I had were to do with communities and helping 
ensuring that those communities uh, were still active. And I had really, uh, a really good feeling about really wanting to help people. Harry Walsh is a second year social value apprentice at Atkins Realis. So for me, I'm in a really fortunate position. So I was the first uh, apprentice, social value apprentice, taken on by the business. So I originally joined as part of uh, the corporate social value team and uh, they quickly made me feel equipped to the challenge. Social value remains a new practice for many companies and how the teams are structured and even the terms used can vary widely from country to country and from company to company. This can be a real challenge for young professionals looking to build a career in social value. So back in 2022, to provide more help and guidance to young professionals in this sector, Olivia set up Young Professionals in Social Value. And I set it up because I felt like I wanted to see more representation of young professionals. And I mean this in a broad sense that at that time, my job was to be an advisor. And I worked with a lot of different businesses who were supplying to the public sector, but also public sector. And it was a lot of young professionals who were kind of lumped with the social value element of the bid. So they were bidding for work um, for their on behalf of their organisation in terms of social value without necessarily a having training, having the support, having the budget to do so. And then they were successful and then having to deliver this again with the lack of resources, lack of support. And I, I just was really passionate about bringing together these young professionals who are working in silos, but also suffering kind of the same sort of issues and the same barriers and challenges together. While many organisations have growing social value teams that are spread throughout an organisation and represented on all projects, too often young professionals entering the industry are left to consider the social value impact without the resources or support to make any real difference. Yeah, so I think still for the young professionals, those professionals who have been working in the industry, we've all fallen into it. We've all luckily discovered it. Um, it might be that we were working in an organisation who was delivering social value and we took that responsibility and, and then they formed the job, they formalised the role as a result of that. Um, I think there is, it's, it's quite rare to find people that specifically wanted to get into a social value career from, from a young age. I think hopefully um, in the next few years we'll be able to see professionals who social value is their entirety of their career and that's what they, their ambition is, is to do. But there is a lot of work to be done. Hopefully, kind of the, the next generations will be individuals who are coming specifically to get into the social value industry. These changes are already happening. Harry is an excellent example of how entry roles are being formalised and social value teams are being empowered within organisations. So each month I'll be part of the business lead meetings where all social value leads across all the businesses um, in uh, Atkins Realist come together and uh, basically talk about social value and understand about the implications that we might have going forward or in the past and what we can do as a team going forward. So that opportunity that I've had is um, being able to listen and understand a, bit, a lot more about how we're trying to approach social value as a, as a collective. And I think I've, uh, by doing those comments, I'm starting to get a bit more understanding of each division and how we operate. But also, I think by the time I come around to doing the secondments, finishing them, um, I'll have that knowledge that will basically bring in all aspects of the business and I can basically start putting a massive, like not a massive, just start inputting uh, some great value into the teams. Social value as a practice is still in an early stage. 
How it will be implemented, both internally within organisations and out in the real world, will come down to those who work in the field now. Organisations like Young Professionals in Social Value gives that all-important opportunity to network, connect and shape the future of social value. And with social value positions often being part of small teams or even just a team of one, finding support and mentorship provides huge value to those early in their social value careers. If you have those attributes that I talked about, you know, passion and integrity and you know, an ability to connect with people, then that will get you through. The second would be find the allies, you know, and these can be within your organisation or within your network who will support you. Which is why I think the you know, the young professionals in social value network is such a, a great initiative, and I even you know I still benefit from connecting to social value leads um, across the sector, and you know senior leaders within the team that will be allies to help you, you know make your case and ensure that social value is included within the conversation. But social value practitioners tend to be a small team within a large organisation, or. You, you may even be the only person in your organisation who is responsible for social values. So it can, I'm sure, sometimes be a, a lonely place. So find those allies um, and, and reach out to them. Um, social, the, the social value sector is, is a pretty welcoming place. So I, would be, I wouldn't be afraid to reach out to anybody. For Olivia, one of the goals for young professionals in social value is to help formalise social value roles and career paths in the industry and to open up more routes for people who want to get into social value. Currently, there's, there's a lack of formalised career paths and progression paths. And I think we need to do that to ensure that it is recognised formally. And I think social value needs to be kind of at board level and director level for it to be recognised and taken seriously by an organisation with budget, with resources, with future and continuous improvement planning. And then my final thing that I'm really passionate about is um, young professionals in social value supported getting young professionals involved in the What Impact Social Value Manager 1.0 research white paper. This was a white paper that conducted surveys of those currently working in social value. But one of the questions and part of the research which really stood out to me was about the level of qualifications of individuals working in social value manager roles. Um, and of the participants, 87.37% of participants had an undergraduate or, hired, uh, or a higher education degree. And for me, that was a shocking statistic because we're all about supporting communities and all about providing those opportunities. And we need to make sure as an industry that we're accessible and in catering for diverse talent. Um, and I think big businesses now is where they should be considering what are the career pathways into social value roles that they have in their organisations, because making sure that those jobs are accessible and that you have diverse talent that, rec that represents the communities that we're going out to deliver impact for is so important to ensure that actually the industry grows organically, but also grows to represent and cater best to the needs of communities. When looking for people to join the social value sector, Kieran says it's not all about qualifications, it's about attitude and personality. It's really around the kind of personal attributes and qualities that I'm looking for. For someone who works originally in main contracting, but now is a consultant in a quite a technical sector of infrastructure, but you can always learn you know, enough that you can operate within that industry. So as a social value 
manager, for example, you don't need to be an expert on how the buildings are designed or how they're constructed. Um, and you'll pick up enough as you go to get you through. You know, I, I joined a construction company and had never heard of tiling. had no idea how concrete was poured, um, or generally what went into constructing something. But that can always be picked up through your experience and you'll get support from the teams that you join. It's more around, you know, are you passionate about this? Do you have the ability to connect um, with people? Um, and, and there's a wide range of people you'll need to connect with as, as working in social value. That will be everything from, you know, C-suite senior leaders within the business who, you know, you, you require buy-in from. Uh, you'll need to be able to, you know, engage with project teams, project managers who, you know, project managers have a hundred things to do and you may be the hundred and one thing on the list that you need something from them for. So you need to be able to engage and communicate with them. Um, and then externally as well, um, you need to be able to engage with clients, but also, you know, local communities and stakeholders as well. So being able to have a passion for it enables you to do that much, much more convincingly. Credibility and authenticity, which kind of gives you the the standing to be successful in social value. If you, you know, there's, there's easier jobs out there, but if you really care about it, then it's, it's a wonderful career. But I, I do believe you have to really care and want to do it. If you've got a willingness to help communities, you've got an understanding of how projects work and how all stakeholders need to be integrated into a project, whether that be from company to client, uh, or to client, sorry, um, or just like I say, the communities that are, um, you wouldn't deem to be uh, least involved in the project. Social value brings everyone involved into the projects. Working in social value encompasses many different disciplines, and social value initiatives on one project might look very different to the initiatives on another. While for Harry, Laura, Olivia and Kieran, this is what makes a career in social value so engaging, it is also what makes the outcomes of social value projects so hard to measure. One of the key things is, I think we need to be more aligned with how we're all measuring and reporting on social value. I think we need to be speaking a common language and we need to have the same principles embedded of how we're measuring that social value. And I think we need to be focusing on the impact that we're delivering because um, I feel sometimes the impact is, it gets lost in the messaging sometimes when we talk about the reporting, the measurement of it. And actually that's what we're all here for. That's what we all care about. So aligning on, on that measurement and the common language that we're speaking cross sector and social value is really important. Certainly there is a lot of confusion within the market around Kind of measurement frameworks, standards, um, and you know different methodologies, and kind of behind the scenes calculators that 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 can create social value reports. As much as you know, we work in an industry that likes numbers um, and makes things easier to compare and contrast. You know, we're not always comparing apples with apples every time. Social value will look different on every project, and um, depending on your location, what the service is, what the local needs are. You know, is this a, an on-site role? 
that we that we that we have here where we can make a real difference, or is this a desktop research study that we're doing, and how do we deliver social value through that contract? So, yeah, it's something we need to be very mindful of. There are some big numbers that float around on social value, particularly with some with major infrastructure projects. So, you know, when we think about the the social value principles, don't overclaim, be transparent, things like that. We we need to be make sure we're holding ourselves to account for that. So I'm not sure what the answer is. Is it a common measurement framework or as a minimum, is it common units of data that we that we agree to to measure? I'm not sure. I think for me, it's focusing on that qualitative element. So that sort of storytelling, because at the end of the day, every development's different. It's going to have different outcomes. I think it's important to monitor and report just to ensure, you know, transparency and accountability of organisations. But yeah, I think I'd probably echo what everyone else is saying, and it should be focusing on the outcomes as opposed to the outputs and I I can see through my experience there is there's been a tendency recently to focus on the outputs uh, especially in my bidding uh, sort of process it's how many like apprentices can you offer etc and what has you know highest financial proxy and I think that can almost be quite detrimental to social value because we're not really focusing on the outcomes at the end of the day. But for everyone in social value, it's not the dollars and cents of social value generated they remember. It's the communities impacted and lives changed that they are proud of. For Harry, it's been working with students to provide skills and workshops to those from underrepresented backgrounds in the construction industry. So we've got the governors for school that really showcase social value within communities, um, like send schools, all girls schools. We obviously provide um, some expert expertise workshops uh, that really inspire and hopefully provide opportunity for these schools. I found uh, great pride in taking part in this project. Uh, I think I've been there from almost the start of where we were showcasing what we could do with it and bringing in new governors into schools and really uh, showing what we can do with um, these individual schools and showing off our expertise and really inspiring students where maybe opportunities uh, were less given to them. So it's really about that inspiring aspect of, of the job. For Laura, it's working with local communities near major projects to ensure that the impact they feel is a positive one. Around last year, I was working with Cadence as part of their Hydrogen Village proposal to Bayes. So I really enjoyed working on that project. One of the main reasons was that um, social value wasn't really mandated to Cadence as something they had to do as part of a project. They saw it as, you know, this great opportunity and something, you know, they thought was the right thing to do. So they um, asked Arup to support them in developing a social value framework. So um, as I mentioned previously, we did that sort of local needs analysis, which was looking at the key drivers of Cheshire Western Chester Council. And we also looked at the socioeconomic data and that helped us to define four um, key social value priorities. We then worked with the VCSC sector in Cheshire, Western Chester to help address some of those. So we helped 
create a sort of social value community fund where we asked local community groups to sort of um, put in applications for how they will use that money based on some of those key social value themes. Yeah, and we did lots of like school engagement and outreach and yeah, we just had a really positive impact on the local community. For Olivia, it was in her previous role, creating a social value strategy for the whole of Transport for London and training over 300 TFL procurement staff in social value. But she says more than her work as a social value professional, it's her work helping others in the industry that she's most proud of. For me, it's founding young professionals in social value. As I say, someone asked me what would success look like? And I, I thought about 50 members connecting quarterly and sharing that those ideas, connecting, creating, collaborating. But now to be sat here with over 225 members and 120, 120 people involved in kind of our mentoring scheme and thought leadership events and opportunities, big big um, organisations, big conferences, big brands are coming to us saying we want representation and we would like to help foster the next generation and young professionals in social value um, and support those individuals and our members. And that is, for me, a, an incredible thing that I'm so proud of. And I'm really taken aback by it. And I, I can't wait to see what happens over 2024, but also in future years with the group and, and where it can go. As social value as a practice continues to grow within companies, and as measurement of social value outcomes starts to formalise, it's clear that those working in the sector won't lose sight of what matters, the individual lives and communities that they impact so positively. I've worked on a number of projects with a, a contracting point of view. I've worked on uh, hospitals and some education projects as well, where we, we did some really, really amazing stuff. And now within my, my role at Ecom, um, obviously I, I, there's, there's so many different really exciting projects happening at Ecom, but I find that it's the qualitative bits that have stuck with me the most. And they are the other bits that I tend to remember. It's not the, the numbers, it's not the X million pounds of social value, but actually it's the people's stories that you hear along the way. It's the, you know, the previously unemployed person who's now got that full-time role working on the site um, and, and, you, and you see them on the site, they've been there for, for, for years. Most recently we ran a, a programme with a social enterprise called The Land Collective. We ran an ESG launchpad programme and we've now been able to, to support a couple of them into employment, which is great, having you know met these young students and been really inspired by them and they've now started a role at ACOM. So, you know, the, there's there's large projects with big numbers. There's annual reports that you can that you can do, but actually I find the the people stories are the ones that are more impactful, and certainly the ones that stick with me the most. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and produced by me, Johnny Dowling, and by Rian Owen. Editing by Rian Owen and series supervision by John Young. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. And the man who makes sure that we're providing value is Rory Harris. Thanks to our partner for this episode, Atkins Realis, and thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, and on LinkedIn. <laughs>